turn in your Bible, please, to Jonah chapter 3. This morning we were looking at Jonah chapter 2, but this evening coming to Jonah chapter 3. And our Bible reading tonight is just going to be one verse, Jonah 3 and the first verse of that chapter. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. And we'll end there. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Now let's seek the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you tonight that as we come into your presence, we come before one who is gracious and merciful. This morning in our Sunday school hour, we were considering that theme of common grace, the fact that you are long-suffering even toward the ungodly, that you do a work of restraining evil in this world, and your grace abounds and is so evident. And then this morning we were considering that theme that salvation is of the Lord, that you are the one who is a help in time of trouble. And we thank you tonight that we come again to another manifestation of the truth of Scripture, that where sin abounds, your grace does much more abound. So we pray that tonight as we consider this truth, you would encourage our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're often told that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. You always have to be on your toes because you never know when you're going to have that first impression on someone that you might influence for good or they might influence you. There are very few things in life that you will ever get a second chance to do. Some perhaps more trivial things, you'll never get a chance to ever go again on your very first date. You'll never have a chance to own your very first car. And then if we get to things that are perhaps matters a little bit more serious on the more weighty side, you'll never have a second chance to rear your children. There are so many things in life that we only get one shot. We only get one chance. God showed tremendous mercy to the prophet Jonah because we read in these words at the beginning of Jonah 3 that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. This morning we considered a lot of the context of the book of Jonah. It's a a book you're all very familiar with, and you know the story of the book of Jonah quite well, I know. But just to remind us all, the Lord had given a command to Jonah to go and to preach a message of judgment to the Ninevites. And Jonah disobeyed that word. He fled to to Tarshish while on his journey. The Lord sent a great wind and... He was eventually cast overboard, swallowed up by a great fish, 
And this morning we were considering from chapter 2 the prayer that Jonah put to the Lord in the belly of that fish. And that climax of his prayer at the end of verse number 9, salvation is of the Lord. I would submit to you that the Lord had been gracious to Jonah all along this way. At the very beginning of Jonah's ministry, when the Lord came to Jonah and set him aside as a prophet in the first place, that was an evidence of the grace of God to him. The fact that Jonah was given a word from the Lord to go and to declare to a people was an evidence of the grace of God in his life already. The very fact that the Lord sent that great wind that we see in chapter 1 and verse 4 to get Jonah's attention was in and of itself an act of mercy. That Jonah was cast overboard and swallowed up by this fish and, and, not, and, and did not perish immediately was an act of great mercy, was a gracious act of God. But we read here a, a literal second chance that Jonah got. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah this second time, telling him to arise and, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, and preach what I already told you to preach. But unlike so many situations in life, this time Jonah received a second opportunity. The word of the Lord came to him this second time. If you're a believer here tonight, you know, you know good and well that the God that we serve is a God of second chances. But yet you all know more than that. You know he's more than just a God of second chances. He's a God of third chances, and fourth chances, and fifth chances, and sixth, and seventh, and on and on and on. Our brother Bogus in the pre-service prayer meeting uh, struck me something he said in his prayer, that he was thankful that the Lord comes to us over and over and over again. I think he used the word over three times, over and over and over again. And how true it is that the Lord is so gracious and so merciful to us that most of us are on our thousandth chance, much less our second. But we can be grateful that we serve a God who is a God of second chances. And so what I want to preach to you about this evening, just briefly, is the subject of the grace of a second chance. The grace of a second chance. And while it is true that God often gives his people a second chance, I want you to see first of all from this verse that you do not deserve a second chance. Now that again is something that rings true with us all as believers. We know that we don't deserve this second chance. Now an unbeliever would say that, well, that's just very contrary to to my thinking. My thinking would say, well, of course I deserve a second chance. Uh, this morning in the Sunday school time, we were talking a little bit about that aspect of deserving and, and the mantra of advertising of, you know, use this fancy cream and get the, the smooth skin that you deserve or, you know, take this special potion or this magic pill, pill and get the health that you deserve. Uh, pay me this money and get the credit score that you deserve and on and on and on of get, get this that you deserve, what you deserve. Well, 
as believers, we know good and well that we don't deserve anything from the hand of the Lord. We don't deserve for the Lord to come and speak to us on any level at all. We deserve condemnation. We deserve death. You are very familiar with the passage in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death is passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And that is what we deserve. We don't deserve a second chance. We, we don't deserve a first chance, to be honest. We deserve death. A wage, as the Bible uses that term, and as we use the term still, but the way Paul uses that term in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is de- of death is death. A wage is something that is earned. A wage is something that you, have, you deserve to have. If you have a job for a boss and he's agreed, you, agreed to pay you $10 an hour, and you work 40 hours, and he gives you a check on Friday for $400, he has given you exactly what you deserve. You, you have agreed to a contract, you've worked for a price, you've worked for a, an amount of time, and you have earned your wage. Anything less than that, and your boss is stealing from you. Anything more than that, And it's a generous bonus. We understand the concept of a wage. And if we apply that to our dealings with the God of heaven, the only work that we have ever done in his sight left to ourselves is simply a work of sin. And we deserve death. We have in every way missed God's mark. That is the meaning of that word sin in scripture. We have missed the mark that God has set before us. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, because we have fallen short of what God requires, we deserve death. But we can be thankful that in Christ, we don't get what we deserve. In Christ, we don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get what Christ deserves. And Christ in the gospel got what we deserve. We deserve wrath. We deserve punishment. But instead, Christ took that to himself. And in Christ, we don't get what we deserve. We get what Christ deserved. Jonah didn't deserve a second chance. There were other prophets alive at the time that Jonah was alive. If there weren't, God could have raised up another prophet just as easy. But when Jonah rebelled against God, when Jonah said, no, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do, God could have said, okay, well, Jonah, I'm finished with you. I'm I'm done with you. I'll raise up this other. And I'll send this other prophet to go and to preach to the Ninevites. This, This other prophet that will do my bidding, that will obey my voice. God could have raised up an entirely new prophet. But he didn't. Instead, he came back to Jonah. And he said, Jonah, I'm going to give you another opportunity. Jonah, I'm going to give you a second chance. And is that not what we have experienced so many times? A second and a third and a fourth and on and on and on. That the Lord has been gracious and that the Lord has been merciful. And we've shaken our fist, as it were, in the face of God. And we've rebelled against him. 
He has come, and he said, I'm going to deal graciously with you again. I've been dealing graciously with you the whole time. I'm going to deal graciously with you again. And so in Christ, we don't get what we deserve. We get instead what Christ deserves. I want to have you look at a passage. This is one you're familiar with, but turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You know these verses, but I want you to look at them in the Bible just to have the import of exactly what they are saying here. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse number 9, the Apostle Paul speaking to these Corinthian believers. And he says, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, I'm sorry, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And look what he says there to these people in this church in Corinth. He says, and such were some of you. You used to be on this list. This is just a partial list. There's other sins, obviously. And we can look on this list, and every one of us, every one of us in this room can find some place where we can plug ourselves into that list. We're guilty of, of the things on this list. If nothing else, covetousness. We're guilty of, of sins on this list. And we can, we can plug ourselves in here. And just like Paul, we can come to this understanding, and such were some of you. But you're not anymore. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We've all committed sin worthy of death, worthy of violating, worthy of negating our inheritance of the kingdom of God. But yet the Lord drew us out of that. The Lord saved us from that. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord has been gracious and merciful over and over and over again. And He's worked in our hearts in such a way that all things have become new. We're not perfect. We're not what we ought to be yet. But we're not what we used to be. And so in Christ, we don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get what Christ has earned for us. We're we're joint heirs with Christ. We are now part of the kingdom of God. And is it not true that we see it over and over and over in Scripture? We don't deserve a second chance. But yet we see illustration after illustration after illustration of the Lord giving second chances. The Lord not casting His people aside at one sin, or at two, or at three, or at a hundred. But the Lord being gracious and merciful. David got a second chance. Samson got a second chance. Peter, a second chance. On and on we go through the list of even the great men of Scripture that the Lord did not wad up and throw away in the corner, but the Lord was gracious and merciful to them. This is the grace of the cross of Christ, that Christ has earned for us a perfect righteousness, that we don't deserve this second chance, but in Christ we don't get what we deserve. We get something far better. And so while it's true that we don't deserve a second chance, I want you to see secondly here that you can't count on a second chance. God is merciful. God is gracious. And while there are numerous stories in the Bible about people getting second chances, 
I think we also can learn from Scripture that we can't count on it. We can't be presumptuous to God. We can't say with those that would answer the Apostle Paul, well, let us sin that grace may abound. Let us continue on in sin and test God's patience and test the grace of God. No, we can't be presumptuous in that way at all. You can't live your life, your life in disobedience while thinking that, oh, God doesn't really care because God will give me another opportunity. In grace, He may. But it's presumptuous to assume that He will. It does matter how we live. We can't live in carnality. We can't live in rebellion against God and assume and expect that He's not going to deal with us. Again, the examples in Scripture are quite numerous for us. Ironically, this afternoon, as we were talking among ourselves with some people over at our house, Two of these examples came up, not, not talking about this context at all. But you remember the man in Scripture in First Chronicles 13, this man named Uzzah. You remember him? The Ark of the Covenant was being transported from one place to another. And they got to a bumpy part of the road. And God's command was very, very clear as to how that Ark of the Covenant was to be dealt with. And God, in in no uncertain terms, gave very specific regulations for dealing with the Ark of the Covenant. And as that Ark got to a bumpy place in the road, and Uzzah thought that it, it might tip over, he reached forth his hand just just to steady the Ark, just to keep it from falling, just to keep it from tipping over. But it was in direct disobedience to what God had commanded. God doesn't need help. And Uzzah was smitten immediately and given no second chance. Achan stole from Jericho. And he he took that that he had stolen and he He dug a hole and he hid it under the floor of his tent. And the children of Israel went to Ai and the battle ensued and they lost. An unbelievable loss. Shouldn't have happened. Major upset. And it was discovered. The Lord told Joshua what had happened. And Achan was brought before Joshua brought before the leadership of Israel. He was slain. He wasn't given that second chance. Nadab and Abihu, these were Aaron's own children. Leviticus 10, they they put fire in a censer and they offered what the Bible calls strange fire before the Lord, which the Lord commanded them not. And when they offered that strange fire, the Lord didn't rebuke them. The Lord smote them immediately. And they were dead. And if you were to think that it's simply an Old Testament phenomenon, you come to the New Testament of Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias and Sapphira had 
hatch this plan to make themselves look good before the people of the church. And they hatch this plan to sell a portion of land and to give the proceeds, part of the proceeds, to the work of the ministry, to the work of the church, and lied about it saying that they had given it all when the reality was they had given just a portion of it. And Peter says to Ananias in Acts 5, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? And later in the verses, or later in the passage, it says, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And then his wife came in. And his wife was asked about the same situation. And not a second chance. She perished at the hand of God. Who gave no second chance in those situations. So while we have a myriad of examples in Scripture of the gracious nature of God in dealing gently with his people, we dare not be presumptuous that God will always do such a thing. That that God will overlook our sinfulness. That God will, to use a New Testament phrase, wink at it. That God does not care. God takes sin very seriously. And so while there is definitely the grace of a second chance, it's something that we dare not presume upon. And therefore it's incumbent on how we live. And that leads me to a third thing this evening. And that is that in light of these truths, in light of the fact that we don't deserve a second chance. Yeah, we have many examples of God giving it. And in light of the fact that we dare not presume on God giving us a second chance, then thirdly, it's incumbent on us that we better take advantage of God's second chance. We better take advantage of that. When the Lord is gracious and merciful, when the Lord humbles us, when the Lord brings us to our senses and, and shows us our sinfulness and causes us to understand what we've done and how we've sinned against him, ought we to take advantage of that grace and mercy that God bestows. Jonah, I believe in chapter 2 from what we were looking at this morning, Jonah was, was brought to a place of humiliation. Uh, Jonah, as he was in that fish's belly, and as he described it in verse 2, uh, what he believed to be the place of his death. And when he cried out at the end of his prayer, salvation is of the Lord. There's a sense in which all that prayer on Jonah's beh- from Jonah is an act of repentance on his part. It is him humbling himself before the Lord. He says in verse 7, we, I don't re-preach all I preached this, this morning, but he remembered the Lord. He remembered the Lord's authority, and he, he remembered that the Lord was the one who was sovereign over his situation. And he remembered the Lord's holiness, and he remembered the Lord's mercy. And there's a sense in which what he's doing here is crying out for that mercy, crying out for grace, and the Lord bestowed it. 
because we read right after he says salvation is of the Lord, that the Lord spake to that fish. That fish was more obedient than Jonah was. You know, that fish never disobeyed. The Lord spoke to Jonah, and Jonah rebelled against that. The fish didn't. The fish went exactly where God told that fish to go. That fish ate the bait exactly as God told that fish to eat it. And that fish went to the shore exactly to the place where God designed for that fish to be and did exactly what God told that fish to do. And out pops Jonah. And he goes and he receives the word of the Lord that second time. If the Lord is giving you a second chance, or I think as we all have to acknowledge, a thousandth chance or more, then it's to our benefit to take advantage of the Lord's grace and the Lord's mercy, and not to continue to strive with Him. Because are we not told in Genesis 6 and verse 3, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. We're, we're fools to strive with God. We're fools to continue to, to buck against the system. We're fools to continue to kick against the pricks, as it was said of the Apostle Paul. We're fools to do such a thing. Instead, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, God will take us and God will do the exalting. God will do the work in us to change us and to mold us and and to make us what we ought to be. There is a time, even after a second chance or a third or fourth or however many, that the Lord's patience and the Lord's grace does, does run out. We were looking at this this morning from the perspective of common grace. And that common grace even to the unbeliever. That the Lord is long-suffering with even the unbeliever. But unbelievers die. Unbelievers perish in hell for eternity. His grace is long-suffering. But it does have its limits. It does have its end. And God does punish sin. If you're here tonight and you feel in some way the Lord pleading with your heart to to either repent of sin or come to Christ in the first place. Don't pass that off. Don't shrug that off. Don't think, oh, well, I'll do it later. Oh, I'll do it when I have a third, fourth, fifth, or sixth chance. Oh, I'll do it on chance 1007. No, repent and come to Him now. Today might be the day for you to, as it were, start all over. Today might be the day that the Lord would speak to your heart to to pick up all the broken pieces and move forward with Him and quit fighting and and quit striving with the Lord's dealing in your own heart. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. The Bible tells us that we know not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what's on the horizon. We don't know what's tomorrow. And so if the Lord deals with your heart, then deal with that now. Don't put it off. Don't be presumptuous. James 4 and verse 8 tells us, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. This is a promise of God, a God of second chances. If, if you feel in your soul the Lord drawing nigh to you, we, we have for weeks and months and, and longer in this place, prayed off and on. We've come back and forth to this prayer in different ways for the Lord to revive our hearts. 
We, we've, we've prayed and we've used this phrase for the Lord to create soul thirst in the hearts of His people. If the Lord is doing that, don't turn that away. Submit to that and submit to the Lord and to what He's calling us to do. It's with no irony but the Lord's sovereignty that this, this evening in the uh, pre-service prayer time we were looking at Psalm 80, a psalm of revival. Turn us again. O Lord God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Turn us again. Implying that we have gone away. Implying that we need a second chance. Lord, turn us back to yourselves. Give us another opportunity to serve you. It doesn't matter how far down you think you may have sunk. It doesn't matter how far you away from the Lord you think you might be. None of that matters. If the Lord deals with the heart, if the Lord comes to you, if the Lord brings his word to you again, as it is this evening, if the Lord brings his word to you again, don't spurn that. Don't think it's impossible for you to have another opportunity to serve God. There is an opportunity to serve him, and Jonah is an example of that. This is the grace of a second chance. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah that second Amen. Let's close our service in prayer. Let's pray. Father, this evening we are humbled by the truth of your word. As we consider it in light of what we know to be true in our own souls, we have failed you so many times. We have spurned your grace we've rebelled against your law but we thank you that you are indeed gracious and merciful to us and over and over though we fall we're not utterly cast down we thank you that you remember our frame that we are but dust and you deal very gently with us even Peter you spoke to him three times Feed my lambs. Three times you re-uttered the same command, the same admonition. And we thank you that you did not cast him off. We thank you for those so many examples in Scripture. And we pray that you would make us uh, to humble ourselves before you and walk in your ways and follow your will. We pray for ourselves in this week to come with the many different responsibilities that we have We pray that you would help us. We pray that you would give us strength and energy to meet every task. We pray for those in our congregation still dealing with sicknesses, that you would raise them up to full health and strength. We pray again for Mrs. June Hamilton there in Pennsylvania, that you would help her. And we don't know all the details of of what's going on, but we pray that you would deal graciously with her and her family. And... We ask all these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.